0: You're listening to Cobras and Fire, featuring special guest, CEO, and co-founder of LabelCoin, Mark Miller. Mark and Bach will get into what LabelCoin is, crowdfunding, a little esports talk, and more. Sobers and fire. My name is Baco, and I'd like to welcome to the program Mark Miller from LabelCoin. And actually, I didn't know exactly how you wanted to introduce yourself. You have a bunch of stuff going on. Brave Enough is still something you're involved in, yes?
1: Yeah, yeah it is, absolutely. So, yeah, I came from the background of being an artist for 10 years and doing that whole grind, uh, you know, going from the small new house shows. I don't know if
0: I just kind of go in here a little bit Baka. if that's alright. Yeah, um, well, yeah, let me... Yeah, either way, so... <laughs> I, I have one kind of early question here for you. Yeah. Because we are going to talk a lot about the music business, something that we get into on, on our show quite a bit, but to me with music the, the great thing is that... It, it connects with people. It's all about that mm. passion and connection between the artist and the the audience and stuff, and, and and bringing that together on some level. So while we are talking about business, and there is a business side to it, of course, without that there is nothing. So why don't you give uh, give us all? Because I think a lot of people are hearing about hearing the name Mark Miller for the first time. Uh, explain kind of what got you into music. What was your passion? What do you? How did you get started? All that, and then anything in your background. Just give us catch us up.
1: Yeah, yeah, awesome. Baco, I love that. So, yeah, so I was an artist for 10 years, so first five of that, you know, starting out doing small venues and house shows and doing that that grind, working part-time at a recording studio. Then I I met my wife, and she told me on her honeymoon that she wanted to quit her job and join me in music full-time. Wow. And so I was like, yeah, that's awesome, and (laughs) we need a new business plan. (laughs) So, uh, that led us kind of into figuring out the college market and playing universities and, and jumping into that space and you know, and we we learned that space. Uh, it was hard going. It's, it's kind of closed off. It's kind of hard to figure out what's going on there. But by the within five years of touring, eight to ten months a year, we finally hit the point where we're earning like you know $120,000 a year, and we're like, hey, this is working. Like yeah. we're we're making a living. We're able to you know buy a home in Nashville and have some savings and record our albums and stuff. And um, but then you know what's it, what's crazy, Baco. And you could probably relate to this. I don't know in in a lot of your listeners, but. We take out forty thousand dollars of expenses from that year, so we're mm-hmm. making eighty k, right? And then you split that between the two of us working full time, well, really more than full time. That's forty thousand dollars a year, right? Right. And in uh, ten years, ten years into our career, and at that point, we're you know officially in the top two percent of our career, of our industry, you know. And uh, so we got off the road. We had our second child um, and decided to to help other people who had much higher ceilings do what we did. Um, you know, and, and avoid hopefully the, all the pitfalls, mistakes, and things that we had to learn the sure. hard way. And, and so I uh, started Brave Enough, as you mentioned, um, represent around 50 different artists and speakers now. We, we became the 2019 College Agency of the Year right before all the, the COVID stuff hit us. Um, and so that's still running, and my team's doing that. But a, a year ago, um, uh, I met, actually, uh, two years ago, I met my co founder of Label Queen, which we'll, we'll get to, you, Chad, who he was a Wall Street guy, right? And uh, he was there during 2008 as an investment baker when Wall Street crashed. So fast forward to now and he's like, he sees what's happening and he's living in Nashville and he's like, this looks a whole lot like Wall Street when everybody lost their jobs and trying to pick their lives back up mm-hmm. together. So he started a nonprofit called uh, Hope 20 to help musicians get, off, uh, get back on their feet. And that's how we met because he didn't know much about the music industry. He, he's a financial guru. But um, but he shared with me this idea of securitizing music and bringing the future income of of musicians forward. And that's how uh, we met. I'm like, hey, have you considered doing this with crypto? And really focusing on the song element. So that's kind of where we began with the Journey of Label Coin, which brings me up to what I'm doing now. So that's the, the real brief history of, of my my 17 years plus in the in the music industry.
0: Well, let's go a little so. further back. Uh, first of yeah. all, what was <laughs> what was your touring act called?
1: Oh man! So I, I started out as. So my name is Mark Miller. There are literally. 7,000 Mark Miller. I was Miller worried US. I wasn't
0: pronouncing that right, by the way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you can pronounce everyone. whatever you want. If you have a cooler name, a cooler way to pronounce it, let me know.
0: Um, Mark Millar. But
1: Yeah, <laughs> there, there we go. Uh, so I, I went by the other Mark Miller. Uh, so that nice. was my initial artist name. And then uh, my wife and I, once we started touring, we're like, hey, we need a new name because now it's two of us on stage. It doesn't make sense to be the other Mark Miller. So we, we called ourselves So Long Solo. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, so that was that was that you know and um, yeah, just just worked their tails off. What but kind of music are we talking order.
0: here?
1: Kind of like folk pop.
0: Oh, that's gonna go over in, great on this pop. show.
1: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> 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 but I, I love all the genres, you know, love love the good old good old rock.
0: So. Well, what was it that yeah. got you into music? As a, I assume you started getting into music pretty early on in life as a child, like most musicians.
1: Uh, y- you know, I yeah, it wasn't really that big of an appeal to me, actually. My mom tried to teach me guitar when I was like ten or eleven. Well that's never gonna I'm like, work. I'm like, why does anybody want to learn guitar? This is this, this is stupid. And then uh <laughs> then you know, then I, I met somebody when I when I was twelve, they're like, Hey, it'd be great if we had someone like kind of in our group who play guitar, could just kinda, you know, do songs and stuff in in a friend group. I'm like, Oh, I to learn guitar, sure. So that's kinda <laughs> how it started. And uh, it went from there. I you know I studied it in college and just kinda right. kept going. When yeah.
0: I, when I was seven I got into KISS. And I told my parents hey. I, I wanted to play guitar. And they were actually thrilled, like, oh, wow, he's, he's into music. So they got me an acoustic guitar, like, when I was eight or nine years old. And I, I didn't use this language, of course, but I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? I, <laughs> I wanted an electric guitar. You know, I don't want yeah,
1: this. Yeah, it is for sure.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. If I only hit, could, could go back and slap myself with a little bit of the wisdom. But, you know, you, you're, you're, we all have our own path.
1: Oh man, I love it. I wanted to be like in a punk rock band, but I just didn't honestly have the money to buy all the pedals for the electric. <laughs> so I just like, oh, so I stayed acoustic. It was, it was strictly a monetary decision.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, well, uh, all right. So you're kind of touring around the country and doing this stuff. You have your second kid. Uh, catch me up here. Then, like, what is going on with Label Coin? Because the the, the the calling card is basically you're the Robin Hood of the music industry, trying to help yeah. raise money for musicians. How does LabelCoin do that?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I mentioned that, you know, at our point, when we were making what we were, you know, 120-plus, you know, and we started the agency, we never hit more than 3,000 followers, but we started working with a lot of people that came off of American Idol or The Voice, okay. you know, even like like one of our people, Anna Snagan, you know, she's the second on The Voice. A lot of amazing people, some with millions of monthly listeners, even. And, and realizing, like, as we got into it, how much they were having the same challenges that we were, okay. even at that level. And um, well, a lot of them working second jobs, you know, trying to make ends meet, trying to still find consistency. And, um, and so always trying to figure out, how do we help, you know, change this? And, and so, like, our mission at LabelCoin is to stamp out artistic poverty. You know, it's to try to, you know, even, like, when I was an artist, people were like, hey, you're a full-time musician. This is great. You're, you're doing it, man. And I always felt a little bit like a fraud, to be honest, because like, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess technically, but like I'm only 20% of the time maybe. They're only
0: seeing 20- the, the outer thing, you know what I mean? Uh, I, yeah, I've had very similar conversations where people were shocked, like people I went to high school with to like they, they only see me on Facebook now, and then they, they catch up with me and then they're, they're surprised that I have a job. Uh, yeah <laughs> even even now that I've shifted to the podcast there's there's people that think this is my income you know what I mean but anyway carry on
1: yeah yeah and so it, it was our income you know at this point we, was, we were thankful to be able to be at that point yeah but still only 20% was actually making music and performing it right the other 80 percent was like all the business and the marketing and the accounting and <laughs> the connections yeah. the conferences you know all that stuff and so it's like how do we help musicians get to do what they are made to do create and perform music and not have to do all this other stuff. Like, I'm not sure who all you've encountered, Bach. I know there's been amazing people, but like, generally what I see is that the people that make it are the ones that are really good at business. Mm-hmm. And, and so we want to be able to free up more musicians to be able to do what they are made to do and have a, a, make a living from it. And so what, what, uh, Label Queen's doing, as you mentioned, being the, the Robin Hood for music is essentially a stock exchange for songs. So we're, we're making songs investable to the average fan. And so, what we're doing is we're able to take what's happening right now with the, in the song catalog world, which only available to like you know either the biggest acts or institutional dollars. Right? People paying like five hundred million dollars to buy up a song catalog.
0: Right. Like, We've covered that like, quite a bit. So you're, yeah. Elaborate. I think you're going somewhere here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So what we're doing is we're making that accessible to uh, for any artist from from your smaller indie act up to the major labels. But where fans can be the ones that invest in those songs,
0: like so how indie, like uh, how indie is it actually profitable? Like, uh, yeah, you know, I I have, <laughs> I make yeah. about uh, I don't know f- between forty cents and two dollars a month on streaming revenues from my band Jesus Chrysler. Is label yeah. point something <laughs> that could actually help me, or am I just too far? Hey, by the way, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Being, but I'm just trying to set like a parameter for anybody <laughs> listening, like what they can, you
1: yeah. Know, that's, that's a great name, by the way. I, I applaud you for that. Thank man. you very much. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, essentially what we're looking at, uh, if you t- if you look at a 10-year valuation is where we're kind of trying to scout this thing. So what would this song make for approximately 10 years? Of course, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. Um, and, you know, various things that come into it, like your touring schedule, your touring history, um, who your team is, what other project you've been part of, et cetera, et cetera, right? But um, if I would just make it really simple, really basic, if you're making like at least one hundred fifty thousand streams a year on a song, on mm-hmm. average, then you can probably value that song at at least twenty thousand dollars. Okay, so
0: that would be kind of the floor.
1: Yeah, All and right. so I mean, you could you could do less than that. Like honestly, if you wanted to, like kind of our floor is like twenty five hundred if you're just brand new. If there's people that want to put stuff in, of course, you the artist actually gets to choose what are you going to list your song for? You know, that's your decision. Okay. But both both the artist and the fan will see our valuation. Um, but thinking of it more like, hey, this is like fantasy football, right? Like we all think that Patrick Mahomes is going to get four touchdowns next Sunday, but <laughs> who really knows, you know, what could happen? Um, but it's that estimate. But then the, the fan sees one other important thing, and that's they see, okay, if I buy the song shares, we call them notes. So if I buy them at this price – how many spins on Spotify or YouTube or Apple Music, et cetera, would it, cost, would it take for me to earn like a 10% return every year or 15%, whatever you're trying to earn.
0: Oh, and to give okay. people that
1: realistic sense of, okay, this is so, so do I think the song can get that, right? Right. Um, so, so it the is kind of
0: like a, a fantasy football is a, an amazing analogy then.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's taking a lot of those similar concepts and trying to make, you know, expectations that are realistic But they also give people a way to to support their bands, but to really treat this as as an investable asset where they actually can earn money.
0: You know, a a lot of a lot of the people that respond to the episodes that we do, they always talk about different ways they try to support the artist outside of streaming, because, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty much a dead horse that streaming is just jack shit when it comes to that stuff. But there is money there. And, yeah. and so basically, uh, explain to me, like, if, let's just use an easy number to, just for the math. I, sure. I, I put $100 into Label coin on Artist A, and how does that help them directly? And then how do I actually recoup money? Am I now taking a cut of their streaming revenue?
1: Yeah, so for the artist, so let's take a, um, I guess, back it up to the artist side real quick. So if they're going to list their song for $20,000, um, let's say they want to sell 50% of those digital streaming royalties, that's all they're selling is the digital streaming royalties specifically. Okay. Not, not, and they comes out of the master, but they still hold the master, so they can still do their sync and, and have ownership. But so if they're going to sell 50% of those digital streaming royalties, that'd be $10,000 that they're listing those, those rights for. So the artist is going to earn 98% of that. So $9,800, we take a $200 fee. Um, and they're going to get that right up front. Now, what's really cool is that within all of it's done within the LabelCoin app. So, um, what people can also resell those song shares on our app. Okay. So, whenever notes uh, are bought or sold, there's a small transaction fee. Right now, our model's around forty cents, and it really adds up. We actually get forty percent of that fee, but the artist gets forty percent of that fee as well. And so, um, that's a huge, uh, you know continual passive income that comes in from the people trading and selling those songs. So now we do cap the artist at fifty percent because we want them to always be incentivized to push the song. Yeah. <laughs> and not be overleveraged, but yeah.
0: So now we're kinda of getting so, into a kind of a stock market analogy. I mean it it yeah it is done exactly the same as that. What about like with, with you It's called labelcoin to me that 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 sounds cryptocurrency-ish. Is there any relation there and and like, I mean, because I, I honestly don't know. Uh, and and I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't. <laughs> is there any concern with the the news of of all that stuff crashing right now to to invest in something like this? Is it tied in it at all?
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. It's actually built on on the blockchain web three. Um, but for the, the what's great about it is the average user, both the artist and uh, the fan or the investor, they don't have to know anything about crypto to do it. Um, so it, it's all kind of done under the surface. Now, there are like future more NFT uh, aspects to it um, and a coin, but it, it's all very simple and very integrated. But, I mean, you brought up a great question. We all know about what's been happening <laughs> in the crypto space. And so, you know, I'm really grateful, Baca, that we have such a, an amazing team. Like we, we started consulting with a, a blockchain consulting firm named Rewired One about six months ago, and they helped, uh, they, they foresaw this scenario and they helped us set it up in a way that we're not, um, our song values aren't uh, volatile based on the market. Uh, like a lot of the things that you're seeing now are people are trying to sell, the few people that are doing some kind of royalties are doing it through uh, the NFT as a mechanism. Which means that it's, um, it's limited for one. There's only so many issued, period. And right. so that's, you know, if you issue 100 NFTs, there can never be more than 100 fans invested in that song, right? Um, so we, but, um, and so there's that, that cap on it. But also, a lot of times, people have to pay for that in a cryptocurrency like ETH. And, and so what happens when ETH is $4,000, know, that's expensive and the artist makes a lot more money. But when ETH is like right now, like it is around $1,000, then all of a sudden, the artist is getting a whole lot less. Hmm. um and so because we actually we actually tie the value of the notes to the the local currency so like in the u.s that's the u.s dollar um of course and so um so the song value always maintains the same It's actually more paid to like what is it bringing in from royalties and just the the demand from fans
0: okay no, you, you used uh, you brought up NFTs, which we've made fun of on this show. Um, <laughs> That's fair. There's,
1: uh, there's a lot to make fun of. Oh
0: yeah, they, 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 it's to me one of the dumbest things out there. Now I, I get the the money involved and in that there's there's some value there, but I just uh, I I could screen cap an NFT and have my own for free. Uh, I, I haven't really found anybody that explained that in a way that uh, made sense to me. <laughs> Uh, would you want to give it a shot? Yeah, <laughs> Sure,
1: sure. I mean, I've, I'm personally more of, I'm, I'm probably in your boat more, Baco. Like, I think it needs to have utility, which means it does something other than just sit there and look pretty and hope somebody else wants it later. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, so like, um so all of what we're doing with the notes, those are, I mean, the, Techno no jargon. It, it's on the blockchain as, as a smart contract, but we're just issuing them notes. It's not an NFT. Well, an NFT, a non-fengible token, I mean, there's only one of that, as, of that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, no one else can own that exact same thing, and it's a proof of ownership. Now, where, where that comes, cool, like in our second phase, we're going to have those abilities to mint NFTs. And what ours would do, like for example, you can tie perks to it. So say that you want to sell an NFT that gives you a backstage pass to all your shows. You know, um, or or Why if not if just you sell wanna... back,
0: something that's a backstage pass to all your shows, though.
1: Um, well, yeah, well, you can only sell it once. Right. And then it's gone. Oh, I got um,
0: you. Right. And, and so how is this, that good? I guess. I, what, what's the virtue there?
1: Yeah. So if that person decides, hey, I want to sell this to somebody else or that band blows up and now that backstage pass is worth a lot more money, you can sell it. But because of the way the NFT is, is built in the smart contract. You can have a royalty automatically set up. So, if you want to say, hey, the artist gets 25% hmm. of that secondary sale, you can. So, it actually keeps creating money for the artist and not just that one time upfront sale.
0: Okay. Um, I, I'm still not getting it, but
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all good. But another, another aspect of it, like that, that we're going to be able to do, like, say you want to. Reward a fan that, that buys a 100 of your notes of your songs. Mm-hmm. And so you want to issue them an NFT that gives them a 20% discount at your merch table. So it's just something that's. It just sticky, sounds like a coupon grill. I
0: got from Chili's.
1: You know, it's yeah, like a birthday lives. club yeah. and they sent me an email. You know what I mean? Yeah, the difference is you just can't like cheat on it. You know, it'd be like, well, hey, I photocopied this. Here you go.
0: <laughs> plus, I'm going to need a pretty big discount yeah. to go to Chili's. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh... yeah. <laughs> no comment. Uh, all right. I don't know which way you're going there. Uh, all right. Well, well fair enough. Uh, you, you, one of the thing talking points on the on the the the, the whole bio that you have there. Uh, and by the way, yeah. I don't know if this is complimentary or not, but uh, I read it and I wasn't sure what to, I was getting in for tonight. So far, I'm very pleasantly surprised. But it reads very much like a shark take Shark Tank pitch. So uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to mention that. Yeah, Like I said, not sure if it's a shot or not. I'll
1: take it. Hey, whatever it is, I, I'm okay with that. That works for me. Uh,
0: crowdfunding. <laughs> uh, look, you, you kind of talked about the downfall, the pitfalls of crowdfund, crowdfunding. I know there was, uh, God, was it Music Cares or something like that that had the big problem with, uh, there was one of the big ones uh, a couple uh, of years oh, ago.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to remember which one that was. Uh, that's right. But yeah, moving that, forward
0: they, they what, what you, people, yeah. What what are you actually getting at here with the the, the kind of your issues with crowdfunding?
1: Oh uh, yeah. I mean I think it it's been an amazing asset that people have needed because there's nothing else filling that space, right? Of how the mm-hmm. artist survives. I've personally done, I think three crowdfunding campaigns, but it's really humbling, you know, as an artist and you have to to beg your fans really awkwardly and send texts and and emails and be like, Hey, please support me. And then like the next album, you're back. Hey, please support me. (laughs) Next album. And, and the effort it takes to actually like give something of worth and feel like you're giving them something of value. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know about your listeners. I know that, that one of the things I did, it, which is totally stupid in, in hindsight, I said that one of the rewards, I think like 50 bucks or something, was I'd make you a handmade ceramic mug. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I ended up having to make like 60 of these mugs. It took me like nice. all summer long. I think I made like three seventy five an hour.
0: And we were you living in Nashville at the time?
1: Uh, I was actually in Kansas City back then. That was okay, like, well, yeah, still right before I moved uh, to Nashville.
0: Pretty. The, the summers are still warm in Kansas City, and you're making yeah. uh, mugs.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, just, I just listened to a lot of NPR at the ceramic studio and and made mugs. And that's basically what I did all summer. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just like we, we call it, uh, you know, digital panhandling or fan handling, You know, trying to figure out. Uh, uh, what promises and so the, the fulfillment is so strenuous for an artist and they really they just want to be creating music even like with Patreon which is a, is a cool thing for people that want to be able to have a platform to give yeah. but you're, doing, you're making handmade handwritten postcards or you know trying to keep up with fans all the time and again it's taking you away from actually doing what you're made to do hey. and so we wanted to create a model for like okay how do we make it so you maybe only have to crowdfund once and then it's self sustaining and that's really what Label Point is meant to do
0: and that actually is, is is a great point to make. There, I mean, no, we, uh, I'll, I'll let you know that we had our own kind of like crowdfunder for our podcast uh, that we called Buy Us a Beer, and basically what we would do is for five dollars, someone could uh, uh, pick what beer we were going to drink. On that episode, back when we still drank beer on the episodes, uh, that, <laughs> nice. that, that ran into its own pitfalls. Uh, <laughs> but it really did. You, you mentioned like you, you kind of feel like you're, you're, you like, What would you call it? Fan handling. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thanks. But that's kind of how it felt. It was like God. I just I. I I, 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 are we giving them enough with the entertaining banter about what this beer tastes like and stuff like that? Now, we have had people that have asked us to bring it back, <laughs> so I may have undervalued it. But it, it, to me, it felt like it. And I think that maybe that's the, the artist musician side of me that goes, I hate doing this. Um, and because yeah. I know yeah. I, right now one of the big talking points is, is artists kind of feeling pressured to do a lot of social media kind of tiktok nonsense as opposed to focus on the art and, and, and i think you're 100 spot on musicians you know artists in general that's what they want to do is focus on the art they love to make money and they love to be popular and and, and have a sustainable income so I, I do like that aspect of what you're pitching here
1: yeah thank you we're excited about it you know <laughs> knowing what it feels like to be that in that position for many years well so yeah. how long is this
0: when did when did this start then how are things going
1: uh they're going fantastic uh started last summer um and so yeah we're just just over a little over a year in so i mean there's a lot of things on the back end of course and Talking with the distributors, building up our, you know, all the paper. There's a lot that goes into doing this the right way. Of course, but um, we're looking at probably an, an end of this year release is what we're on on track for right now. So, um, but we are. I mean, we're currently signing up more artists to continue to give feedback on the features and kind of get early access. Um, and uh, about to raise our next funding round. So, but uh, but the team is is incredible. The support in the industry. We just wrapped up being at 82 2 im here in New York and speaking mm. there, um, introducing LabelCoin to uh, you know a lot of the distributors and the the indie labels, um, which was the feedback was was fantastic which we're really thankful for and and you know now i'm, I'm calling you now from new york again Stay here for the nft nyc conference so it's probably your favorite spot baka i can probably get you in if you want to come learn more about <laughs> hey, nfts you know what
0: uh, i love i absolutely love new york city uh so yeah any anything you can do to drag me and my wife out there uh i'm on board even if it's an nft yeah. conference you know what i mean
1: hey Next year, let's let shoot for it. All right, yeah. Good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> good enough, man. Shoot <laughs> me an invite. Um, going back to your musician days, man. Um, what what uh, it's, uh, Talking to musicians, there's always kind of funny kind of fuck ups that we do. What are the biggest mistakes you've made?
1: Oh shoot, so many, so many. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is is um, having the wrong people on your team. Hmm. Uh, you know, especially when you don't have a lot of funding, you just kind of take help from wherever you can. You know, kind of get it. But um, I think one thing that's really important is to not let anybody help you unless they're proficient in what they're doing. Proficiency being measured by, like, would people pay them well to do this? (laughs) You know? Uh, we see but a lot. of... It, on, it, isn't that
0: difficult? Because, like, uh, God, you know, I one of, yeah. one of one of my biggest talking points, and maybe this will inspire you, is that like, yeah, is is this idea that like just go out there and do shows? Then that that's always the only advice anybody really gives you who are, who have made success, whether they write a book, they're Gene Simmons, whoever. It's just like just go yeah. out there, work hard, and try this, and then also be babysat by Lionel Richie. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it just uh, all it happened to be best your mom happened to have banged david geffen things of that nature they always leave these key you know connections so like in my experience yeah i would have loved to worked with like you know managers or booking agents that knew what the fuck they were doing but the ones that knew what they were doing were like well we don't even know who you are and how do you get to that level and all that that kind of stuff so i don't know if that yeah there's i don't really have a question there that's kind of a talking point
1: yeah no it's, it's a great point and sometimes it means things get delayed or, or you have to keep looking. But like, sometimes I feel like there's a lot that, that um, of harm that can be done by like, like say, let's yeah, say you need course. a violin on an, on an, on a track. And you're like, well, I know this one person does violin, you know, it's one of my friends and they'll do it for free. And then it's like, but now that track is, you know, that, that violin's kind of, garbage <laughs> or, or not giving you like what you need or it's totally not the wrong vibe, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, or a drummer that's, you know, that's you know, missing beats here and there and stuff like that. And so it's like, so there, there's that aspect um, that I think just, just having a high standard and that kind of goes into like kind of one of the other things, which I wish I'd learned way earlier in my career. Um, my wife's more of a perfectionist and the Enneagram one for people that like the Enneagram. Um, and she likes to have things, you know, right and perfect. And so I, um, where I'm just kind of like, I just want to learn the next thing and keep moving on. You know, it's, so I had to learn this trait from her and and this, this trait was, um, an amateur practices until they get it right, but a professional practices until they can't get it wrong.
0: Mm. I love that.
1: And, and that idea that, you know, you don't just that you, you practice it till, you know, the muscle memory, the muscles know what to do. <laughs> so if someone walks into the back of that venue and something crazy's is happening, it doesn't matter if your mind's distracted you're still doing the right thing because mm. you've practiced so many times you can't get it wrong. And so taking that kind of aspect to all of your work that's just like, hey, dedication to excellence and showing up to work every day and and knowing what those right things to work on are, I think those are some of the big keys.
0: Uh, I've gotten far enough on life that uh, when it comes to the that that what you just said, I would actually say for me, <laughs> it depends on what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Am I going to record this one time? I'm going yeah. <laughs> to get it until I got it right. But if I actually have to stand on stage and play this multiple times, I do want to get it to where I can't get it wrong and, and that kind of yeah. stuff. Like you talked about the muscle memory. I think most musicians that are listening would, would understand that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But...
0: What about some life hacks? Uh, it says life hacks for touring musicians. What do you got for me there?
1: Oh, dude, uh, traveling. So if you're if you're flying southwest, for sure, hundred percent. Two free bags, um, and I, the I'm going to pause
0: you for one second because you're already out of the gate. Absolutely love this. This is specific. This isn't like try to travel cheap, be frugal. <laughs> no, you're like go fly, fly south. Anyway, carry on. I, I interrupted interrupt.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. So yeah, Southwest is amazing. Um, and you know, we used to travel with all our all our gear, and I think that my wife, wife and I had four to six bags with everything um and and so yeah that's definitely one of the one of the quick travel hacks um yeah there, man there's there's so so many things shoot sorry i'm I'm going blanking on where to start so well
0: how about anything along because gas is so expensive right now and that's really, oh, yeah. really killing touring what about that
1: yeah man um plan well <laughs> you know um Try to plan your tours in advance so that you can route well. Yeah. So you're not scrambling to fill stuff in the last minute, um, and then have a plan. Um, you know, have a plan for for how you're going to market that that's prepared a month in advance, so that that you just have it set out, so you know you when you wake up on Tuesday, you're not like, "Hey, what do I do today?" It's like, "Okay, here are the three important things I know I need to do today, and I need know I need to post on or have it scheduled." Or, you know, reach out to this person, whatever that is, have that, that set up so that you're not scrambling and kind of doing it halfway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps you set up, be more set up for success because it's like, you know, a, a great event is a chain. You know, it might have 10 things on that chain that need to happen. And what's crazy is that you can do nine of those 10 things amazingly, but if one of those chains is broken – the whole thing can fall apart and so so preparation and, and planning and strategy and that goes along you know with your practical tips for you know putting out your music you know I, I tell all the artists we work with i'm like hey if you don't have a plan for putting out this music don't record it yet like like don't don't release it or don't release it until you have a plan um and you're ready to put money or at least strategy and time and equity and time your sweat equity and uh, how are you going to get this music out there so it's heard and not just sitting with you know 10 monthly listeners
0: I saw a comment on social media. I'd like to get your your perspective on. And, it was basically I went to a show, I enjoyed the band, I went to their merch table. They only had one shirt. It was but it was $30. They weren't $30 good. And yeah. <laughs> um they had no CDs, so they lost the money there. And in the back of mm-hmm. my head is like I get what you're saying there, but first of all, CDs is kind of a dying format as it is. There aren't a lot of us out there that are looking to go get a CD. That doesn't mean nobody is. The point being yeah. that there is still a significant investment. I don't know the band he was talking about because he didn't mention them. And but I you look, we, we basically did three C D uh like hard copy releases that we never made any money on. And we got, you know, mm-hmm. look they they were pretty cheap. I mean we we technically per purchase made money on but like you know we had to buy 500 of these things and 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 sell them and stuff like that so while they only cost us a little over two dollars a pop and we sold them for five dollars we never sold enough to cover the cost of of any of those and now we knew that going in that was a likely scenario the idea is that we want something out there not so much for the money making thing because at the time we were trying to figure out how do we get to the next level but now we're kind of that yeah. was 20 years ago uh mark now we're dealing with a different environment now i think this guy is a little out of line like look, like, just buy the fucking 30 dollar t-shirt if you think you're, you're helping <laughs> him out it's kind of what i wanted to say to him but i you know
1: i, I, I chose not <laughs> yeah. to
0: chime in this one time
1: yeah I mean, th- th- that's that's great and, and i mean my first thought is hey Buy a song. You know, that's kind of where, <laughs> where we see people coming up with label coin. It's like, hey, if you like that song you heard on stage, you can own part of that. You know, here's the QR code. You go for it. Well, you know, so you have
0: like, a, like, a, bands can like advertise at their merch table. Yeah. Like, download the yeah. label coin app and get into this yeah. kind of stuff.
1: Totally. Yep. Is that is that simple? People just pay with their credit card or their debit card, um, and and they get ownership in your song. They start earning royalties. So. Um, and then, of course, those people are going to market your songs. So, I mean, that's one thing. But um, to your point, I think I think being creative, spending time to be innovative, and to study marketing. You know, there's a great book by a guy named Donald Miller called "Building the Building Your Story Brand."
0: Uh, any relation? Um, it, what's that? Any relation?
1: No, no, I wish (laughs) (laughs) my my family's great, but they're all like farmers back like eight generations as far as Ah, that explains (laughs) the folk music. Yeah. You know, (laughs) that's what we got. I grew up in Kansas city. That's, that's that's our home. Uh, A little bit of jazz, but it doesn't work here. Um, so I think, you know, creative, like I I remember there's a band I worked with that they were great at selling merch and they just like, for example, they, they renamed their t-shirts into, um, torso covers, (laughs) Hmm. <laughs> and, and just like just that little twist like hey make sure you grab a torso cover at the back of it and it's like <laughs> what what is that i gotta check this out you know yeah. um that creativity you know like we did a thing um like even like we're trying to gain followers at every event that was tied to our merch table right so um we're like hey what if we can do something like we could spend money on facebook ads right but what if we did something else what if we actually spent money planting trees so we did it with this group called the Eden Reforestation Project, which is really cool. And it only costs like 10 cents to plant a tree um, in a country that really needs it, like Ethiopia and Haiti. And um, and so what we told people on stage, like, hey, um, so hey, who would like to plant a tree tonight without going outside and getting cold? <laughs> you know, yeah. and we're like, oh, yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll do that. Yeah. It's like, hey, all you have to do is pull out your cell phone, go to our page, click like. And for every like we get, we will give you, you know, uh, we'll plant a tree for you. And, and then later we say, OK, hold on to that phone because we're going to give you a contest later on. You know, and, you know later on in our set, we come back and we'd, and we'd be – and these would be set things put in our set that we've practiced. We know what we're going to say. We know what we're going to do. And, and we'll say, OK, so you still got that phone handy? So we'll go back to that page and just make a post about this this show or our picture. And whatever entertains me the most at the end of the show is going to get a, you know, a free CD or a T-shirt at our merch table back there. You know, <laughs> come back and see it. And we'd show off things like that, and we'd show our merch off on the stage that way. Nice. In a way that's not like salesy, but people would be like, Oh yeah, it's just planting that seed of you need to go back to that merch table. And then of course we did put a lot of time into our merch design into mm-hmm. that table, what it looks like, that whole buying thing about because it's all about connection. People people aren't buying something just because you know it's cool merch. Sometimes they do, but you know Fair. they're they're buying it because they want to remember that night, because they made an emotional connection with you or with somebody they were with. And they want to remember it.
0: Went back to my opening point. That is the, the when it comes to art, you know, especially music, because it's such a. It does always. You see, you see a, a t-shirt or a, you hear a song, it takes you back to the memory that it gave
1: you. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well said. So I mean, that's the biggest thing that you know. That's what, we weren't the best singers. We were never going to be on the Voice. I mentioned we never hit more than three thousand likes or followers. You mm-hmm. know but but we we're we we're good at that part we we're good at connecting with people creating a story cool. and making them feel special making them the hero you know um how do we how do we make their night this is their show their time uh, and if we do that then you end up being successful and then if you actually have talent on top of it sweet you know <laughs> <Sky's> <laughs> the limit <laughs> right <on. laughs> yeah and you know what hands
0: down we always made money on T-shirts for the 20 years we did it. Uh, we, 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 our, our move financially was to keep our T-shirt money separate. So while it was profitable, we always wanted to make sure we had money to get more inventory. Where The CDs, we just kind of built up enough money and then bought them.
1: If you're listening right now, make sure to take note of that.
0: Okay, that's, yeah, fair enough. Yeah,
1: business practice right there. Yeah.
0: That's, that's great. Uh, how about this? In your uh, expert opinion, uh, what's the <laughs> safest job in the music industry? Like the one with the best job security?
1: <laughs> oh, man. CEO oh, yeah, at um, Label Coin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, uh, I would say probably production yeah still yeah you know it's like because if if you're good at it's gonna keep making music and putting money into it because they want to hear it out there i would say production is the safest job um but you know things are coming back so this is a little bit of hope from our 2014 lowest point of industry revenue yeah um Goldman Sachs just projected that by 2030, the music industry will be $150 billion Damn. industry in the, in the US. And, uh, and you know, stream is, you know, for, for all the challenges that we've, that, you know, you and I both went through that going from physical CD sales being awesome to, you know, the, the absolute drought. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then when streaming took over, and, you know, Spotify paid out, I think, what was it, $7 billion this past year and like $5 billion the year before that. And so you see those those numbers growing, people learning how to monetize
2: mm-hmm. and how
1: to earn revenue in new ways. So I actually think that the future of the music industry is really bright. And um, and even for Indies, I think we're finding new ways for how to help the rest. And, and I, I do believe, like, you know, some people think of Spotify as a big, bad, you know, beast that's destroyed us all. <laughs> Which, you know, I can see the points there. But I really think that they're behind, you know, even their mission statement is they want to make a million creators that are making a living off their off their music.
0: Well, and, do, um, do you know anything about that? Because uh, you, you don't have to look hard to find an artist that, that just points out how just you talk about the money they paid out. Yeah. And, and those are numbers yeah. that are real. And obviously the label's taking that. But why is it that, that it's not getting to the artist? Let, let me point this out. Yeah. I am, you know, like I I mentioned my own streaming numbers, you know, my own shitty little band is out there. You can, you can download it or stream it pretty much on any service. I personally, as far as a percentage Because I own everything. There's no label. There's no Uh, in-between. I I pay $20 a year to have it out there. That's it. And and I get a nicer cut. Now, there's a a lot less streams, so I don't get the Taylor Swift kind of stuff. You know what I mean? The the point is, why can't the artist get something close to what I'm getting? Because I think if we got there, then I think things would balance out. Do you know much about that?
1: You know, uh, quite quite a bit more than I did a year ago, to be honest. Okay. diving in a lot a lot deeper there's there's definitely a lot of i mean with the way that royalties work there's a lot of black box money out there there's a lot of confusion that's it's, it's going to start leveling out becoming more transparent over the next 10 years you know um and even the, the, a lot of was past what a year or two ago now uh, music modernization act there's still there are improvements that are helping with that okay. but a lot of artists like don't even know how to go get their money that they're owed You know, of course.
0: Oh, you talked about being a good businessman and being an artist are two different things.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like you gotta you gotta register with the PRO for one. So whether that's ASCAP, BMI, CSAC in the U.S. um, and then um, make sure your songs are getting registered there. And even as a songwriter, like I I co wrote with people, and I'm like, why am I not getting paid? Like this has a million streams. I should be getting something at this point for you know a a third of the songwriting, Mm. and and realizing that when they registered and they put my name on there but I have to register it myself as well from my profile with my PRO because they were on BMI I was on ASCAP, and I was like oh that's why I'm not getting it I have to register myself <laughs> but then like that only takes care of what's happening in like in the US so there's PROs in like all over the world and all these different countries and you know like your top artist might your top fan base might be in Brazil or in, in Taiwan or <laughs> you know right. India any of these places and you're not getting that money. Um, you have to go through somebody like Songtrust or someone else that's, good, that's going out, has relationships with all those PROs, that's collecting it for you. And um, same with like Satellite XM. So there's there's all these places you have to go. You have to go out and find your money, right now. And and so I think that system is getting better. Um, but that's why it's hard for especially for independent artists that are doing so many jobs right now. Um, you know, just trying to <laughs> stay on top mm. of it all. Like, hey, wait, I need to do what now? if you get like 50 bucks from here and 100 bucks from there and to your point i mean i took down my albums cuz i stopped wanting to pay for them every year what if you stopped cheering and, uh... Yeah, You know,
0: at some point, maybe I should look at it that way, too. I think I'm, I'm almost breaking even, but that's more, look, I, I really just want the stuff out there. For $20 a year, for the handful of people yeah. who still care, uh, I, I'm not looking at making money on it. But I was more or less pointing out, like, the percentage I get per stream is pretty significantly higher than, than what a lot of really big-time artists would get.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's still uh, not it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think the biggest thing is just being consistent.
0: Okay. You
1: know, it's showing up to work every day. It's putting out releases continually, you know? So I, I think artists should be putting out, you know, singles at least five times a year. And that kind of starts to build on itself and snowball. And, you know, and my hope with, with what we're doing with label coin is that people will be able to bring that income forward. Cause like we, we made it because we had, uh, you know, some, some money that was uh, from my wife's father's inheritance. And then like side jobs and stuff that helped us be able to push through those first years, but not everybody, you know, we were super lucky to have that option to keep us going along with a lot of support to you know, to make it till we actually were making a, right. a revenue that could support ourselves. But most artists don't have that option or what option do they have? And so, so by, by bringing, you know, 10 years of that streaming revenue forward to now, that's our hope is that a lot more people will be able to invest full time into their music and to keep creating consistently and actually have a growing career.
0: And and to back up your point, I think if there's any lesson I learned in in my own personal ventures, if you're not all in, there really isn't going to be this snowball thing. Uh, mm. No matter how, where where you want to go, where you're going to get to. But when it comes to music, you basically have to to lose the security blanket, man. Uh, and and yeah. that's not easy.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. We
0: have before I let you go. We have to talk about esports because as much as I talked about <laughs> NFT being stupid, I've always been baffled by esports. And, and, and l- let me back it up just so I can kind of sugarcoat that a little bit. People can do what they like. I don't care. Uh, but the idea of like like this guy playing a video game makes money like a professional athlete uh, I, could, with people viewing it. And, it. and by the way, it's happening. It exists. Get tell me about your experience yeah. in esports. This is just a fascinating area to uh, me.
1: Oh uh, yeah, it, it is. It is crazy. Baca. Like, I, you know, that the top paid professional athlete, um, air quotes, and uh, I think it was either I think twenty twenty, twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, was an esports athlete. Um, Man. you know, so it wasn't it wasn't Ronaldo. We can, you know? we can at least
0: <laughs> agree that we can't call them athletes, right? I mean, you're, you're sitting <laughs> down the entire perf- effort.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna argue with you uh, one way or the other on that one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's. it's uh, Come it on, Mark, drama, admit you know, it. it. <laughs> They're not athletes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. uh, it'll definitely come back to me. So, for a disclaimer <laughs> to to your listeners, I, I own an esports company, called so Esports. is <laughs> part of Brave Enough. And that's where Rebecca's coming at. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it, it does it gives people a chance to compete. That you know, you don't have to be at a at a high level athletically in that top one percent. But it is like or it's pretty all. incredible. People, the people that actually are good at it, it's, it's mind blowing. But um, yeah, what I, I what I'm drawn to actually is more the intersection into the VR space. Honestly, okay. we, we actually started calling it V sports um, because it kind of actually does start to marry a little bit of athleticism and physical activity along with, you know, gaming skills. And so um, so that's what what we actually want to on that that division. Uh, we want to see more competitions happening in global meetups, specifically in a game called Population One. So um, that's like pretty much the only video game I, I play anymore, um, which is basically <laughs> Fortnite and VR. So, so Baco, if you want to grab a, a VR headset and, and join me in a squad sometime, we'll drop out of the sky together and, and go hunt down some other squads.
0: Well, no, that does sound like fun. Uh, <laughs> I, I do enjoy playing. I'll tell you this, Mark. I, I don't know if it kite. I don't know if this quite uh, cuts it, but you're familiar with the the, the Madden football franchise, I assume.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yep.
0: uh, I, about ten or fifteen years ago, me and a few buddies we did. The, they were doing the Madden Challenge, and they were hitting like all the NFL cities. So they came to Minneapolis here, and you could sign up and do it. Anybody could do it. And uh, I was playing my. I won my first match and then I, I moved on to the to the next round, and the the guy that I was playing he had two people with him that were not playing they were not part of the tournament, and all they did was sippy and by the this guy was kicking my ass uh, but every time he did something good, they'd be like, "Oh man i had not you you didn't even know you could do that it was just like. It, it, I'm not going to It kind of was unnerving I don't think I would have Won the game without <laughs> them But man I really wanted to Like I don't get it you know? Why are you Why are you watching me uh, God uh, That's amazing The hype It's
1: The hype team Yeah no, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a couple it, Rap wild. hype men Like
0: oh man Yeah
1: <laughs> You know, I think there's over 200 colleges right now that are offering scholarships to the esports
0: team. Oh man, I wish you know? I would be going to college a, now. Back, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, there's like music to be honest, programs, yeah. <laughs> all this kind of stuff that didn't exist. Like uh, a sports management, you know, if I uh, that seems super fucking easy. Just yeah. get with one sure. really rich or really big time athlete and make three <laughs> percent. Yeah, hey. it works. It works. <laughs> well, yeah, good for the people who can do it, you know, but. <laughs> Oh, Mark, this has been a blast. Is there anything I, I've skipped over?
1: No, man. Baco, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: Oh, but before you go, I did want to ask you, are you focusing on, um, you know, because you mentioned like the $500 million that like someone like Springsteen gets. It seems yeah. like y- your angling is largely for like independent artists or at least a lower tier
1: um, it actually makes sense for both. I mean, that's where we came in from the beginning was, hey, how do we help the middle class of artists, especially? But it totally makes sense for those major labels, too, because even if they don't need the money, they they have less risk up front on artists. But then it's also the fan engagement tool. All oh, right. So right. I, didn't even, I didn't even get there. You, know? like we you did kind of. Like, I thought I, it, yeah, yeah. actually
0: something happened because so, I wanted to follow up with you on that, too. But, yeah, the, the idea yeah. that like the fan now is like promoting you because they want to make money.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, and we have, like, geofencing that you can turn on. So, like, if you want to say we're only going to be selling these notes at our shows, mm. um, or then you can, like, turn that on and off or even it's for the first month. So people have to buy tickets beat your show if they want to invest in your songs. So there's tools like that, too, that also, you know, are great for other, um, you know, out goals for the major labels that want to drive ticket sales to, to their shows. So mm. um, so that are... we're, we're always trying to think about how to, yeah. You know, Make everything easier and work better and take care of everybody.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Um, and again, like LabelCoin now, so right now we can't really do anything with it uh, as far as the, the, the me, the listeners out there. When when, If I understood you right, when can we uh, expect to like uh, – because this does seems like something that I might want to get into.
1: Yeah, that would be great. I mean, artists can sign up now. Basically, it's, it's called Join Our Waitlist mm-hmm. at LabelCoin.io. Um, and it kind of goes at, at a little bit in tiered releases, Um, but you'll get in on the features that are being built now and be able to give that feedback and then you'll be the first ones to get that early access, um, into our beta. So, so people can actually jump in now.
0: I want to make money. So it's not about my music. I would have, I want to invest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, one other thing I should have brought up, uh, Baco, because I think it's great for like for you or for influencers, people like in these different spaces, is we have this thing called song mutual funds called curated collections. Mm. And so it allows people to invest not just in put their ten bucks the one song, like a, but to a, put it in a, a swath of songs.
0: Just like a mutual fund.
1: Exactly. But what's really cool about it is it was aimed at when we built this thing, we're like, we have to look at the best interests of three people in particular, of the, the artists, the fan, and the music industry as a whole, which is a lot more than just like the labels and the distributors. Like there's like the music bloggers and there's the you know the agents and the venues and all these different people. And so, um, so whoever creates these curated collections, um, and puts them together earns 5% of the royalties that come in like as their kind of their management fee. And so like for people that have great taste in music and know what's going to hit next, um, it's a great way for them to be able to make revenue. And for mm-hmm. people, you know, that aren't as up to speed, they just want to treat it more as an investment class. They can invest into those mutual funds. Um, so, uh, so that's, you know, so if you want to have a, you know, a, a radio show, uh, A mutual fund, basically, of the artists that are coming on your show. You could, (laughs) so (laughs) things like that. A a
0: podcast? Are you going to start bringing podcasts in where people can label coin? (laughs) They get a chunk of our (laughs) ad revenue.
1: You know, I would love to figure that out. So, hey, I, I'm, open to, I'm open to discussion. You know, I, it's all about, you know, creating, stamping out. You know, I probably just pissed off Pantheon uh,
0: are, are the people who would take care of us. Uh, i sorry,
1: Pantheon. We'll, we'll take care of you, too. We'll, we'll work you into
0: it. <laughs> I just, I, look, I just want to make a little money. Um, yeah. You know, we used the term floor and ceiling earlier in this. And, uh, that, uh, Mark, this has been more than I expected. This was so much fun. Uh, you, you do a great job pitching your product but you also are engaging and fun and and like I said we do a lot of uh, side conversations about the music industry and some of the business stuff and boy I really think this added a lot of color to that.
1: Awesome well thank you Baco. I really appreciate that. It's been an honor to get to present what we're doing and I hope we get to work with your listeners and yeah, and help make this better for everybody.
0: Thank you very much, Mark. And Mark Miller, I got that right from the beginning, knocked it out of the park. Uh, so I'm giving, giving myself a little credit for not fucking up the name Mark Miller. But uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And again, all the best with everything. Thank you so much. Tired of waking up by myself
2: to the sunshine. another chance Suzy was a foosie doing twosies on another day She don't have to beg at all She give it all away Ran into a problem Things that turn a like a bird She don't mean shit to me Why don't you understand the sunshine. all right mark
0: I, I appreciate this i'm glad we did this and uh good luck me too
1: thank you Baka.
0: all right have Take a good care, night sir. man
2: all right bye it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football